welcome to Thank You for Toilet Paper, a history of the little things, a podcast where we talk about a few things to be grateful for and the history and stories behind them. I'm your host, Elizabeth Miller. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's get going. There have been a few times in my life when I have experienced a very special terror, a fear that I would be stuck forever. I wouldn't say I'm like 100% claustrophobic, but I definitely do not like feeling trapped. Now, I am, of course, talking about when you are in your winter coat and the zipper gets stuck. There's just no getting out of it, and you start making plans to move to like Antarctica or one of the poles in order to make do and deal with your puffy existence for the rest of eternity because there is no getting out of that coat. Now, that might be a little bit much, but it definitely feels that way to me sometimes. But I just don't much like getting stuck because of a zipper. That said, I do appreciate zippers, generally speaking. I wanted to know whose idea it was to use a bunch of interlocking plastic or metal teeth to join two pieces of fabric or sides of clothing together because I think that's pretty clever. Not easy to sew, in my opinion. Not terribly hard either, but not always easy given my particular set of skills in that area. And if you want to hear more about my failings at sewing, you can listen to the episode on the sewing machine. So for all the times that we have successfully exited coats and used zippers to keep things in place, it's time to learn a little bit more about the humble zipper. Now, the origins of the zipper take us back to a familiar figure. If you listen to last week's episode on the sewing machine, Elias Howe is back. In 1851, he patented something called an automatic continuous clothing closer. The device functioned a bit more like a drawstring than like a slide fastener, but it was still something similar to the zipper, which leads me to believe that at one point we could have called zippers ACCC, automatic continuous clothing closer. So, <laughs> but that doesn't really like roll off the tongue quite the same way. Howe, however, did not fully pursue the project or any marketing, and so generally speaking, he doesn't get a ton of credit for the zipper because it wasn't exactly similar, but it was kind of a start, and he was busy with the sewing machine anyway. Moving on then to about 40 years later, we have Whitcomb Judson's clasp locker. Judson went for it with the marketing, and so this sometimes earns him the moniker the father of the zipper, even though his patent for the device in 1893 does not include the word zipper. Judson's device worked as a shoe fastener and was debuted at the 1893 World's Fair, although it wasn't used for clothing. In 1901, the Universal Fastener Company got reorganized and got a new name. It moved to New Jersey and was newly dubbed the Fastener Manufacturing Machine Company. About this time in 1906, Gideon Sundback, a Swedish-American inventor, enters the company. Sundback married Elvira Aronson, the plant manager's daughter, and got promoted to head designer. The company moved to Pennsylvania and then went by the name Talon Inc., in 1909, Sundbach had improved the zipper and registered the patent for his design in Germany. Sundbach kept the non-U.S. rights, and the U.S. rights belonged to the Pennsylvania company, Hookless Fastener Co. With his rights to the non-U.S. patent, Sundbach set up his own company called Lightning Fasteners Co. in Ontario. Sundbach got his patent for the spreadable fastener in 1917. By the end of the first year of Sundback's company being in operation, it was making about 100 meters or over 300 feet of zippers per day. Although they weren't called zippers yet, but we'll get back to that in a second. 
In March of 1917, Swiss inventor Mathieu Berry made the design even better by adding a lock-in mechanism at the end, but because of some problems with patents, his designs never went anywhere. Sundback sold his patent rights for Europe in 1923 to Martin Ottmar Winterharter, who started a company called Rieri and produced zippers in Germany and then in Switzerland. The term zipper came from the mind of the B.F. Goodrich Company. Zipper was first used for a set of galoshes the B.F. Goodrich Company produced in 1923. So they used the zipper and then they called it zipper and the name stuck around ever since. For the most part, around this time, zippers were largely used for closing shoes and for closing tobacco pouches. In 1925, Schott NYC started using zippers on leather jackets. And in the 1930s, zippers were used on children's clothing and advertised as helping children be more self-reliant. Now, throughout Zipper's history, it has had, like, that good reputation, and then it's also been seen as questionable because it made it easier to put on or take off clothing, which is seen as kind of becoming morally loose. So, like, it's, I guess, jumped over that fence a little bit back and forth on, like, oh, it's great and helpful, and oh, it's uh, morally corrupt. So, Zipper's. Who knew? Zipper's were also involved in Paris's Battle of the Fly in 1937 beating out buttons as the more favored approach to trousers. French designers loved it. Zippers have continued to be improved by innovation, including zippers that zip from both ends. The U.S. military were some of the first to make large purchases of zippers, as they were used for the Navy in World War I. The zippers were also used for making windproof flying suits. Zippers were first used on blue jeans in 1954, but like for overalls specifically. It wasn't until the 1970s that they were used on blue jean like pants. So how do zippers work? So on a zipper, you have a few different parts. You have the teeth. Those are the metal or plastic parts that come together like a jigsaw puzzle that run the length of the zipper and look like teeth. So that's absolutely named, although I'm sure a dentist wouldn't like it. You also have the tape, which is the part of the zipper that is more like fabric that can be used to be sewn onto other fabric. You also have the slider. That's the bit that goes up and down the zipper, bringing the teeth together into a lovely smile. That's not the official term for when it comes together. I just got on the dentistry thing and can't really get off of it now. Regardless, the slider pulls the two sides of the teeth together, like too much peanut butter. If you've experienced that, then you know how it glues your mouth together. There's also the retainer box. This is the boxy bit at the end that holds the ends of the teeth together. And inside the slider, there's another important part called the insertion pin. This one is for separating zippers. So these are the zippers that can open on the top or the bottom. And usually you'll find these on jackets and coats. So how does it all come together? The slider goes up or down, the zipper pulling the teeth together, and the teeth fit together as the tooth above fits into a hollowed groove in the tooth below it. To separate the two teeth, the slider uses a plow-shaped wedge. That's it for the basic parts. There are other parts of the zipper as well, like the top stop, the pull tab, the bottom tape extension. This is handy for when you're sewing. And there's also sometimes a reinforcement film that lets manufacturers easily weld a zipper onto whatever is being made without sewing it. This is done through a bit of plastic on each half of the zipper tape. There are a number of different kinds of zippers, and we've already mentioned one with the two-way zipper. There's also the invisible zipper, metal and plastic zippers, magnetic zippers, usually used in sportswear so you can close them up one-handed, and there are also airtight zippers. These ones were created by NASA. They were for high-altitude pressure suits as well as space suits. 
They're built pretty much the same way as normal zippers, but also have a waterproofing sheet wrapped around each row of teeth. These kinds of zippers are also used for hazmat suits, scuba diving dry suits, and ocean survival suits. A little less waterproof, but also similar, is the zipper on Ziploc bags. It doesn't use teeth, but rather uses a molded plastic ridge and has a slider similar to a zipper to like open and shut. There are a few different zipper manufacturing giants around the world and throughout history. Talon Zipper in the US and Optilon in Germany in the 1960s dominated the playing field. But by the 1980s, Japan's YKK became the new king of the zipper hill, with 45% of the world's market share, while Optilon had 8% and Talon had 7%. Later, India's Texcore also became a large producer, and Spain's Cremalleras Ruby, established in 1926, produced and sold an impressive over 300 million zippers in 2012. In 2005, China was reported to have 80% of the international market, as reported by The Guardian. So most of the world's zippers are made in China. Thank you for that. We need them. <laughs> so for all the times we've been able to quickly change, put on some boots, and get a coat on, and off, and stay snugly warm inside, and for all the times astronauts and scuba divers have ventured into the great unknown safely, zippers have been there for us. And for all these reasons and more, I am very, very grateful for the humble little zipper, especially when I don't get trapped. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a marvelous day. Take care. Thank you.